Genesis 5, verse 12 to 16. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Um, when I first received this verse this morning, or talking about the leper and the restoration that this chap experienced, I was really excited about talking about it because, um, yeah, it's just such a story of hope. Um, but as I was looking into it more, I really felt like um, being nudged a little bit to share a little bit of my own story of restoration. And... Um, and I hope that, you know, for those of you here, I hope that, you know, hearing these stories of restoration this morning, some of you will be really impacted by that. And as Jerry has um, already prayed, that perhaps some of you here need to hear that this morning about how you can be made whole again. Um, so when I was around 12 years old, um, and we were, I was at church with my family and we were sat along the row. I was with all the youth at one side and my mum was at the far end. And I looked over at her and I thought, hmm, something has changed with mum. We got in the car afterwards and I said, mum, either you're getting fat or you're having another baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> not very subtle. Um, I was already one of four children and I had two younger brothers and an older sister. And so already I was having to share some of the limelight that I had and I didn't want to be sharing it out even thinner. Um, so um, a few weeks later, when my mum and dad then gathered us into their bedroom in the morning and said, we have an announcement to make, I wasn't at all surprised when my mum said that we would be having another little baby brother or sister added to the McCall family. Um, and at that point, I decided to tell my mum, well, if it's another boy, I am out of here. I'm not staying. <laughs> Um, but luckily, my mum had a wee girl, uh, a little girl, Rachel, and I was absolutely delighted. I loved being a little bit of a mini mum, and I would help doing nappy changes, and um, it was really good fun to have a baby in the family when you're 13 years old. And as Rachel got older, she absolutely loved her, her brothers and sisters, and we completely doted on her as the little one in the family. When I started doing my exams, she was a great distraction. She would come up and I would do her hair and um, we'd I'd play about in the dressing up box until mum found out and she would call her back down. She realized what was going on. Um, and then later that year, when Rachel was about three years old, she developed chickenpox like all kids do. And she wasn't well with it at all. Um, I remember she went into the sort of local hospital initially and then was taken into the Sick Kids Hospital in Edinburgh, which is a bit like a sort of the Great Ormond Street Hospital here. Um, she was very sick and I remember my mum and dad telling us that she was needing to be on a life support machine and that there was a chance that she might die. My sister and I were of the age when we were sort of old enough to stay at home, so we did while my mum and dad were in Edinburgh and we looked after our younger brothers and um, sort of you know, took them to school and did the school runs and things. And I remember a couple of times we got to go through, take the hour drive to go and visit Rachel in the hospital. And she didn't look like her at all. But we'd been told that our church was praying for her. So we had this great faith that she would be healed. 
and miraculously, um, she gradually improved. And on 24th of December, 2002, so just before Christmas, we got her home. And it was a lovely Christmas. I remember we had um, a shepherd's pie because we hadn't prepared any Christmas dinner or anything. Um, and we had this massive tree that somebody had brought because we had trees, Christmas trees growing in the fields around us. Um, and so we had this really ungainly, horrible tree. But it was great because our family were together. Two months later, Rachel developed another illness. And overnight, one night, she got very sick. I was off school that following day because I was on an in-service day. And my little brothers went to school. My sister was working. Um, and so my mum bundled me and my sister into the car. And we rushed to A&E. And I remember my sister getting de clearly deteriorating in the car journey. And I said, Mum, we're going to have to go faster. So we got to A&E and we spent a morning sort of with resuscitations and treatments, but nothing seemed to work. And by mid-afternoon, um, little Rachel's body had given up. And mum and I said goodbye to her in the hospital. The following weeks and months were a complete blur. I stepped into the sort of helper mode um, and made teas and coffees for visitors that were coming. We had to, I remember my sister and I traveling down the car to, um, to Marks and Spencer's to buy vases because mum didn't have enough for all the lovely flowers that people were so generously giving us. Um, I shared at the funeral on behalf of my brothers and sisters as well. And um, I tried as much as possible not to cry because I just remember I didn't want my mum and dad to see that I was upset. I returned to school very quickly afterwards and um, became the head girl. I was really impressed by the nurses in the hospital as well. So I spent that final year at school working towards um, getting into university to become a nurse. And at times, of course, I got angry and I became quite sad. Um, but it was sort of like this normal grieving, I thought, and it was. It was. But, and I kept telling everyone on the outside, look, you know, God's helping me through this and he causes all things to work together for good. It was a great line. People believed me and I kept saying it. <laughs> I was friends with everyone, with everyone um, at university and I wanted to be part of every single group. I got involved in every party that was happening um, and I held it all together. I kept focusing on my nursing and wanted to sort of get the best results. I also made sure to turn up to church on a Sunday because my big sister was there and um, it was quite, I kept a good face on. I became an expert basically at adapting to all situations and for all people. I really didn't know how I felt about God. I talked the talk on the outside, but internally I had no idea who he was. I couldn't understand this God who apparently let my sister die. So I rejected any idea really of his existence in my heart, but I knew he was meant to be the thing that was to bring me hope. And it seemed to for both my sister and my mum. So I didn't talk about it a great deal. I came to my final year of university and I was achieving on the outside, but on the inside, I had completely fallen apart. I was starving myself. I began to hide away from my friends and my family. I exercised like a complete mad woman. I was lost, utterly broken, and in about 100 pieces. I was in need of restoration. I was completely disconnected from the world, from my friends and from my family, from myself, and most of all, from God. So let me read this passage again from Luke. 
While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. I want to draw a few points from that passage this morning. Um, and I hope, um, yeah, it, it sort of shows that restoration that happened in this man. And maybe some of you will um, feel, you know, th- this relates to your story this morning. I have five R's for you. Well done, me. And so it kind of links with restoration and five other R's as well. Well done. Um, the first R that I have is rubble. Now, I don't think that my story is anything special. Everyone knows what it's like to experience real brokenness in life. I grew up in Dunblane, um, a fairly small town, and some people know of Dunblane for Andy Murray. Um, Others will remember the school for um, a shooting that happened when I was in primary five there. I had grown up knowing that we lived in this terrible world of complete brokenness. And all of you will have experienced this kind of brokenness in your own lives. Time and time again, we see it on the news, don't we? And recently, when my colleague returned from Syria, he talked to us about what he saw there since the conflict and these cities that had been parts of them were just completely reduced to rubble. In the passage in Luke, and then it's repeated again in Matthew 8, 1 to 4 and Mark 1, 40 to 45, we read about this leper, this man who is completely and utterly broken. And I'm just going to add to you that the translation of the word leprosy in this part of the Bible isn't actually leprosy in the modern sense of the word. It refers to lots of skin conditions. Um, and actually, it's unlikely to have been leprosy at all. But, um, <laughs> um, but it's interesting because skin is actually the largest organ that we have in our body. And it's the first defense against any infection or illness. It's a really, really important organ. More importantly than that, when it's broken, your body is left really vulnerable. It's at risk of disease and infection. And this man in the passage here was really completely vulnerable and broken. Skin diseases are also something that's visible. So this man is not just broken in the physical sense, but he was an outcast. He had not simply lost his health, He had lost his family, his friends, his home, his livelihood. No one would, and no one was allowed to associate with him. I had the great privilege of traveling to Bangladesh during my nursing training, and I worked in a leprosy hospital for some time there. And I remember the nurses going round and handing out the medications to patients. And they would sort of drop the medications from a height onto the patient's hands, I found this so difficult to understand because it wasn't contagious at that point. And when leprosy is something that isn't actually very contagious at all, but when you start on medications, it's completely not contagious. So I just couldn't understand the stigma that people experienced. On to my second R, which is reached out. And the obvious thing here is that obviously that Jesus reached out. But I think there was something maybe of the leper reaching out as well. And he says, Lord, if you will, you will make me clean. Or in the message version, it puts it like this. 
If you want to, you can cleanse me. Now, knowing what we know about how this man was a complete outcast in society, I feel like this was quite a bold move to step into this crowd and towards Jesus. He approached Jesus as this complete outcast in society who'd been hidden on the fringes. But now he made his move forward. And I think this is really courageous of him. Now, I'm really blessed to have such a lovely family and some really wonderful friends who, while I was in complete denial that there was anything wrong with me at all, they nudged me, they were really honest with me, and they stood by me. But I knew, and they knew too, that it was going to take a little bit of a step forward from me too. So eventually, together with my mum, we did some research and found this little retreat centre on the south coast of Wales. They did sort of particular week-long retreats for people with eating disorders. And actually, what I desperately wanted to go was to, I wanted to go to stop everything and just sit down with God and figure it all out. I had been completely ignoring him and I'd pushed my Jesus, my saviour out. I did not feel worthy of his love in any way. And I'm not pretending that that little step forward was easy. My heart was in this real spiritual paralysis, but I found myself daring to take a step forward in trust of this God who loved me. And on to my third R, which is relationship. I can't begin to answer the question of why miraculous healing sometimes happens and sometimes doesn't. Why Jesus was willing to physically heal this man we read about in the passage. Now, we pray, if you are willing, you will heal. But my own experience has taught me that Jesus doesn't always work that way. So should we continue to pray for miracles? Yeah, I, I think we should. I pray with this faithful expectation and sometimes with a really honest doubt. I live in the tension of the already and the not yet. And I ache because I feel that horrible tension of longing for better while living with broken. And I do know one thing. The Bible tells us that God did not originally make the world to have disease, hunger, and death in it. And Jesus is all about the restoring of broken relationships. Relationships with ourselves, with others, with creation, and with our Father God who loves us and longs for us to draw close to him. Apologies to the tear funders in the room. I have definitely stolen that. (laughs) (laughs) The fall documented in Genesis 3 has resulted in the imperfect world we now experience. But the wonderful news is that the Bible tells us that God is working to redeem and restore his whole creation. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This life of wholeness encompasses all aspects of life, of being, having, doing, and interacting. It's inherently relational. In the story of the leper, I wonder whether his relationships were restored. Perhaps for the first time in years, he would be able to approach others. Perhaps he'd be reunited with family and friends. He'd have his reintegration into society from which the disease had cut him off. The healing that took place was about a healing of all those broken relationships. He would no longer have to live in loneliness and isolation. So is it enough for me to know that the one who makes even the winds and the sea obey him will also make everything new one day? 
God has already fulfilled his promises and we know that we can trust him. But he has not yet fully restored his kingdom. So we wait and we pray. We hope and we trust. And we read these stories about Jesus and take heart because we know that they were true then and they are just as true for us today. So on to my next R, which is reconciliation. There were days when I thought my brokenness and the messy head that I had um, would go on forever. And let's be honest, I do still have days when my head gets a bit messy. Um, But here's what I started to do. I took slow, steady steps. I took one day at a time. And I stopped and I listened to the still small voice of my father in heaven. And by his grace, I lent into Jesus. I began to draw close to him because Jesus restores When I felt paralyzed and overwhelmed with the why and the why not, Jesus restored my hope and I found like in Psalm 46.1, he is ever present in my struggle. Jesus beckoned to me in my broken, distorted mind. He invites me into faith, into a taste of eternity now in relationship with him. And Jesus reached out his hand to the leper and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. We can imagine how with this tingling of revitalized flesh, this man felt a thrill of emotion as Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. This was a renewed contact with his fellow man. Jesus was not disgusted with him. He was not repelled by the skin disease and he was loved. And maybe some of you need to feel that today, that sense of Jesus reaching out and touching you where you're at. During my week away in the south of Wales and the coming weeks after that, I learned of Jesus' love. It's the kind of love that looks at someone who has been declared disgusting and outcast by society and is moved with compassion. It's the kind of love that with a resounding yes is willing to enter our sickness and grief. It's the kind of love that brims with mercy that would lay itself down and die for literally everyone other than himself. This is the kind of love that only Christ can give. This is the love which Jesus touched and healed those he came to save. I took time in Christ's presence, and it was the start of change for me. Jesus helped to restore me and heal the hurt and the pain that I felt from the loss of my little sister. And I learned that sometimes Jesus sees fit to make illness, injury, or pain disappear. And we have to assume, for reasons we'll never understand on this side of glory, that sometimes he didn't. Sometimes he doesn't, but his presence is no less glorious. It's no less affecting. It's no less healing if the wound or ailment remains. Love is who he is. Healing is what he does. It's how and when he heals at the question. And that, like so many other things, we have to leave to him. We know that he loves us. He loves you. He loves us with a love that cannot be comprehended by our limited brains. With a love that cannot be conquered by anyone or anything, including death in itself. 
Our illness and injury, be it physical, mental, or emotional, is utterly incapable of keeping us from the Savior's love. This is his promise to us. So we beg, if you are willing, make me clean. And he always, always answers, I am willing, be made clean. I want to finish with just two things, and both of them relate to my final R, um, which is repeat. And we can help to bring restoration in other people's lives in the same way that Jesus did for the leper. We can pray for physical healing, bringing restoration in the physical sense, but we can also come alongside people who are living in loneliness, isolation, those who are broken from life struggles, living in broken relationships with themselves, others, and God. I am so grateful for the people who stood by me. It was not, I was not a pleasant person to be around. And I pushed my closest friends and family away when I was at my lowest. But many of my friends, my mum and my dad, my sister and younger brothers hung on and showed me love. They were a very real demonstration to me of Jesus' love for me. And very often this wasn't a love that I deserved. They were hurting too and going through their own stories, but they loved me. So I would encourage you and encouraging me myself as well today to repeat what Jesus did. Reach out like Jesus did. Be willing to stand with the most needy, the most vulnerable, the most mar like marginalized people in society and have a think about how you can do that. How can we all be part of someone's restoration story? And secondly, as I was thinking um, and praying this week about this passage, um, I felt that, um, yeah, <laughs> basically Andrew and I have just moved into our, um, our own home in September last year. We used to always go to Ikea and just buy the bog standard furniture that everyone had. We all had a, have a, we had a billy bookcase like everyone else probably does too. Um, but we, on one fateful night when we were there until about 12 in the morning um, in a queue, Andrew said, never again. <laughs> so we haven't been back to Ikea since. But what we have been doing is buying secondhand furniture. And it's, it's actually a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. And we picked up this little sort of chest of drawers and it was only for about a tenner. But I, could, I thought, right, I'm going to do something with this. It was a bit ugly, but I took it and I planned and I went to the shops and bought like new handles for it. I painted, I Annie Sloaned, I like sort of did lots of little things and I've now made it our own. And it is probably my favorite bit of furniture in our house now. And it's, it's a lot, it's quite nice if, if I say so myself. Um, but I kind of felt like um, God wanted to say that this is like, perhaps some of you feel like that, you know, that bit of furniture that's needing to be told that actually you're loved. You know, this piece of furniture has been restored to something of real glory. It's really, you know, it's, it's like a unique piece in my house now. And actually that's how God sees you. It's how he sees us as these unique and favored items. Um, and you are loved because he's taken time over you and he's planned it and he's put it all together with love. Um, and so um, yeah, I wanted to sort of just, you know, there might, may well be people here that need to hear that today. Yeah, so thank you and amen. Shall I, do you want me to finish in praying? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Father, I just thank you so much that you restore us 
that you love us, that you come to give us hope and joy. And Father, that you look over us and see us as your favored items, that we are each unique and beautifully planned and made. And Father, I just pray for each and every one of us here that we just really see that afresh today and see that again. Father, I pray that we would all just know that this morning. In your name, amen. Shall we stand together and invite the band up? We all need restoration. We all need a touch of Jesus. And so, as the band come up, um, 